Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the channel. Today, we're going to be looking at a a message that I put together. It's part of a series, and this one's called Habits Part 2. So we're going to be looking at gluttony. And so the 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 interesting illustration here is something you know a lot of us are probably pretty aware of, or you've probably heard of, you know, called the the seven deadly sins. And you probably don't really understand the history that goes behind that, or exactly what that is. So before we jump into that, I have a quote from Frederick uh, Buchner. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. But anyway, he says. A glutton is one who raids the icebox in search of a cure for spiritual malnutrition. I like that quote. It's it's pretty poignant to the point that oftentimes with any of these habits, with any of these vices that we fall into, it's it's to feed a spiritual need that we're we're not getting from the proper source. So the text that we'll be looking at today will be in Proverbs. So we'll be looking at couple different verses within Proverbs 22 and Proverbs 23 and 19 or yeah and so with that though the seven deadly sins were first compiled by Pope Gregory the first now I know you're probably thinking well the seven deadly sins are in the bible well no not specifically in the bible in 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 sort of a list form Pope Gregory the first around 600 a.d you compile the list of what we consider to be the seven deadly sins, and they are pride, greed, lust, wrath, gluttony, envy, and sloth. Gregory also compiled a list of seven virtues, faith, hope, charity, justice, prudence, temperance, and fortitude. The Bible does validate these concepts, but nowhere is it recorded like this, you know, in a list form, as I've mentioned. And nowhere in the Bible are they specifically referred to as the seven deadly sins or seven virtues. They do not they 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 do not predate the Ten Commandments, which were given in Mount Sinai in around 1450 BC. It's probably true that they were used extensively to teach principles from God's Word, particularly in the centuries before the invention of the printing press, when the Bible was not available in a common in a form common uh, for someone to read and study themselves. So these kind of lists made it easy for a largely uneducated populace during the Dark Ages to be able to you know, have some semblance of moral teaching. But this, this brings me to a, a story you know, from the Marine Corps. In basic training, there was this uh, one time when we went to the chow hall. And this is one of my favorite Marine Corps stories. It just kind of exemplifies what, <laughs> the Marines in and of themselves. So... We went to the chow hall and we should have known something was wrong. Why why do you think you know we should have known? Well, because they let us eat way more than they normally let us eat. They gave us way more time for lunch than than you typically ever see in basic training. So that should have been our first clue. 
But needless to say, you know, most of us, we ended up gorging ourselves on food because in basic training, you're working out a lot. You're, you're not sleeping very well. So you tend to be extremely hungry. So we ate everything that we could. And that's when the fun began. So before we get into that fun, though, let's let's look at our text. In Proverbs 22, verses 17 through 19, it says, Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips, so that you tr- your trust may be in the Lord. I teach today even to you, even you. And then in verse 1 of 23, it says, When you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you, and put your knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. And on in verse 19, it says, Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. So as we look at the battle against nature, let's define what gluttony is. Gluttony is the excessive or ongoing eating of food, the habitual greed or excess in eating. It's present in Old French and Middle English as the word gluttony, uh, derived from the Latin glutir, to swallow, which in turn came from gula, the word for throat. And in some cultures, gluttony is considered an indication of a country's wealth. But in most cases, it's simply gross and unacceptable. Nowadays, though, gluttony is seen as an emotional cry for help. As succinctly put by author Peter DeVries, who said, gluttony is an emotional escape, a sign something is eating at us. So it's interesting how we feed ourselves to the point of gluttony because something is eating away at ourselves. One of the interesting parts of gluttony is something is is somewhat of a synonym or similar to other sins that we are called to avoid, like lust and greed. And what I consider these, you know, these to be grouped as is is like sins of excess, if you will. You know, things things that drive us to to do a certain act or a certain behavior in excess. So I would kind of group gluttony into that subcategory. Likewise, some of the anonyms are apathy, hate, or lethargy, because on the opposing sides, the, 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 it's not a sin of excess, but a sin of, of lack would be you know, something that you, know, you can see in someone who's apathetic or who's you know, slothful, like we talked about before. We can see both similarities to some sins and differences to others, and I think it's important because it highlights God's understanding of human nature, the nature of man. After all, he created man, and he knows that some will be tempted to live a life of sloth and others a life of excess. Right? So other synonyms for this are craving, demand, fondness, greed, hunger, longing, lust, passion, penchant, weakness, yearnings, and zeal. Anonyms would be like I mentioned, apathy, indifference, lethargy, aversion, disgust, distaste, loathing, repulsion, revulsion. Some people by because of their uh, the they they are opposite from gluttony, they will go to the point of making themselves sick from not eating anything. 
And again, it's 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 because of something that's missing, some sort of malnourishment within their own soul that would cause them to, to be susceptible to that. But some examples of, of gluttony in today's society and some ways that gluttony has become acceptable, you know, you can see this in our culture, but they because they have a similar root to this gluttony or this had this sin of gluttony. The bigger house, Jesus himself did not have a place to rest his head. We see that in Matthew 8, 20. Our Lord and Savior spent a portion of his life in ministry homeless, yet most American homes could fit all 12 disciples and have room to spare. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a house. I, you know, I have a house. But what I'm saying is they're, they're in some people's lives, they get to a point where it's like they need to keep getting you know bigger houses, more toys, right? They just keep, they keep having to get more and more and more. And it's like a hunger within their soul because they, they, that they can't fill. So you'll get your first condo and then you have to like upsize to get your first detached home. And then you need a better home and more parking and more bigger garage so that you can have more stuff. It causes you to become somewhat of a hoarder. Even with our food choices, oftentimes, you know, you don't look at the calorie content of what you actually are going to eat. You just eat because you and you want more and more and more and a bigger portion and more. And, and we'll kind of rationalize it sometimes as saying, oh, well, I need to have uh, I need to get more bang for my buck, despite not actually needing, you know, a bigger portion. Jesus called himself the bread of life in John 6, 48, but at a local restaurant, we might receive enough bread for five lives. That kind of is the same point, is that we should be filling ourselves in the word of God. We should be filling ourselves with like a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then today we also have something that we call like binge watching TV, like where you you'll sit down and you'll watch like a whole, not a whole season even, but like a whole series of, of programming. And we call it binge watching TV. And that's kind of a gluttonous behavior, even though it's not eating, because basically you're just gorging yourself on the world's entertainment. Another example that's it's really prevalent in our society today is, is the hookup culture, right? So this hookup culture is, is one that causes people to go out and sleep around with as many partners as they can and collect a body count. Now, you could say that's more more of lust, but again, it's like I said, it's these sins of of not lack, but sins of excess where you're engorging yourself or you're gluttonous for these behaviors. So this brings me back to my story from the Marine Corps. Now, we left this this chow hall experience full and for the moment happy, but it didn't take long before they took us back to the barracks. They lined us up. And they started to, you know, rail against us for, for some perceived wrongdoing that I can't even remember at the, you know, anymore what it was that we did wrong. But I certainly remember the punishment, and I certainly remember the cost of our gluttony. So they started to to make us drink water. To the and they, you know, we start with a you have two canteens, each one being a quart, so just a little bit more than like a liter. And uh, so they they sit you down, or a little less than a liter, I guess. And so they 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 do, you're lined up, and they tell you, okay, drink a liter. So you're you're drinking your quart of water, and then you have to hold your canteen over your head, 
to make sure that everybody is getting every drop of water out of that canteen. So then you put that canteen back and then you have to grab your other canteen and they make you drink that. So now you've got, you know, two quarts of water in you and you know, almost two liters. And they, they make us run to the, to the washroom or to the head, to the bathroom. And they say, fill them up. And so then you fill them up and then you get back online and the process starts over again. As you can see, like, or as you can imagine, you know, you know you've got like half a gallon of water in your belly. It's starting to get a little uncomfortable because you just had a huge meal, half a gallon of water. But they wanted to make sure that we understood the cost of our gluttony. They wanted to make sure they understood the wrong that we had committed. So then we had to drink another quart of water. This process didn't stop until everybody in the unit started vomiting up from their from their overindulgence. It's a pretty excessive, you know, story from the Marine Corps. And I could tell you, like, it was it was pretty surreal, pretty surreal when we were there. But it was definitely a um, an eye-opening experience being in the Marine Corps and, and seeing and experiencing what happens when you're not aware of the sins you've committed. And again, I don't remember the wrongdoing we did for that event, but I do remember the punishment that came with it. So let's let's go back and let's take a look at our scripture to investigate gluttony from a spiritual context and see what wisdom we can pull from God's word. So again, in Proverbs 22, 17 through 19 says, pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply to your heart what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that you tr your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. So we need to have the word of God on our lips. We need to have some understanding, some wisdom of what we're saying, you know, moving forward in life so that we can be able to use this, the word of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, uh, you know, against our desires, against, you know, things that we know to be sinful. In verse one of, of Psalm or Proverbs 23, it says, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive. So with this one, we also see that it's it's on us to control our behaviors. So if you're prone to doing to overeating, if you're prone to doing this, when you're sitting down with someone important, you need to be able to control this. Because the food is deceptive and, and people are, are judging you in that situation. If you were to go sit down with the president or go sit down with the prime minister or sit down with the king, you're going to need to control these behaviors. When we pick it up again in verse 19, it says, Listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. This is an important part, too, because we see that here, you know, in the Proverbs, we see that there's this, this you know, clear understanding that you need to be wise. Don't put yourself in situations that are going to cause you to falter. Don't put yourself in situations that are going to cause you to fall. And then because of that, you know, because you have fallen into these situations, you are more likely to be, you know, poor. You're more likely to be 
clothed in rags because this is what the the sins of excess can do in your life. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Because that is really the purpose of of a living a, a, a Christian life, living a life for God is to do everything unto the Lord. So you have to really do, you know, filter all of your, your choices through that lens of, am I glorifying God with this behavior? That one hurts, right? It hurts. But that's the truth. That's the reality is every action you do is meant to be done for the glory of God. So you have to filter all your actions, even how you eat, even how you live your life, and every aspect through that filter of this, does this bring glory to God? In Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and may defile you. See that no one is sexually immoral, or sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he done. The Bible is clear that many vices or sins, the root cause is the void that we have when we are not filled with the Spirit of God, when we are not actively pursuing the will of God in our lives. It can creep in rather slowly, and that is why we need to be on guard all the time and continually examine our lives against God's word. This doesn't discount the grace that God has. It confirms God's grace. He gives us countless opportunities to repent and change our behavior, to grow closer to him, and to adopt his will for our lives, rather than fighting against his will and only seeking the easy route or only seeking pleasure. Some additional Bible verses we could look at are Psalm 78 verses 17 through 19, but they continue to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the most high. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Here we have the children of Israel, uh, uh, the children of Israel judging God because they're hungry. Their bellies are not full with the food that they desire. Even though the miracles that have happened in the past it is now what my belly desires that drives me in my relationship with God. And Philippians 3, 17 through 21, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have had, or just as you have us a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, with even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is that of heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. This brings me to my final point, which is the godly call. So what do we do? How do we apply this to our lives? In Philippians 3, 20, 21, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So remember that quote I started off with, a glutton is one who raids the icebox 
in search of a cure for spiritual malnutrition. So how do we rectify the situation in our life? We have to turn to God's word. Since gluttony can be an idol of excess, used to fill a void in our lives that only God can fill, we should turn first to the word of God. I know that's not very exciting for a lot of people today, but I believe that that's because the the sugary candy of today's, the world's entertainment today is is very palatable for for a short time, but leaves you wanting. When you when you binge watch a show, you usually get up and feel like, wow, I wasted a lot of time. But typically, when you sit and you read, even if it's hard or challenging for you to do so, you usually feel better after having read because you've accomplished something. And that's why I believe you should spend time in the Word of God because that's the best thing to read is the Word of God. And I, I challenge you to do that. Displaying gratitude. King David tells us to give thanks to the Lord because he satisfies the thirsty, fills the hungry with good things. Psalms 107, 8 through 9. In other words, God fulfills our needs. Gluttony tells us that we need more and more and more to satisfy our hunger. But God is the bread of life who fulfills our stomach with good things. And I do like this because, you know, this this psalm from, from King David tells us to give thanks to the Lord because I, I also notice that the more you give to others, the more you spend time in service of others, the more satisfied you are. Because God has a powerful way of satisfying our thirst and filling and filling that void within us when we yes, when we give our lives to him and then we serve others for his sake. Practice temperance. Temperance cures gluttony by implanting the desire to be healthy, therefore making one fit to serve others. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we're called to be temperate with our behavior. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you know that your body is a temple, the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. This one right here shows us that it is it is our call as Christians, as believers, to be able to show our bodies as a sacrifice unto the Lord. We are a temple unto the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we should treat ourselves as we would treat something that is precious, precious to the Lord. So we shouldn't be doing things to our bodies or doing things like, you know, with our bodies that wouldn't be something that would be glorified within the body of Christ or within the church of Christ. So would you, when you, again, when you hold that yourself accountable for your behavior and you filter that through God's word, would you be willing to do what you're doing in front of the king, in front of the president, in front of the prime minister? These are earthly leaders. And then even more so, would you do it in front of a holy being? like God the Father or Jesus our Lord? These are these are important questions to ask. But as I close, I just, you know, if I could have every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're driving, obviously not. But the question is that we come to is that if you're living a life of excess, why? Why are you living this life of excess? Is it because of this void that's in your soul? I can tell you that that void can be filled instantly with Jesus Christ. And that you could come into right relationship with him at any moment. All you have to do is, is 
repent of your sin, which means turn away because we've all done wrong. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. And by grace, you will be saved and you will be, you will be made one. You'll be made a son of the father or a daughter of the father. And it's very easy. You can just repeat this prayer. It says, dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm, I'm not perfect. And I turn away from my sin. I repent. I accept you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord, my savior. I accept you into my life, into my heart. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for washing me clean of my sin and for salvation through grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a very simple message, a very simple prayer today. But the reality is that that simple prayer can fill you more than any food can. It can fill you more than anything the world has to offer. Whether it is a sin of lack or a sin of excess, God fulfills the need. And I thank you for taking the time to listen to me today. I hope you, you'll come back again. And I, I look forward to you know, sharing another message with you soon. Amen. Thank you for listening to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.